Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher. Because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Paul Murphy got nine years and Jason Bonney got eight and a half years. If you consider there's at least 60, 70 people in, from the Kinnan cartel uh, in the prison system alone over a range of different prisons. So, yeah, he'd be getting his bus pass when he gets out of, co- out of will, prison yeah. for sure. I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The jailing of Regency getaway men Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy for a total of 17 and a half years brings to an end one chapter in the gangland story which has enthralled Ireland for more than seven years. With Jerry the Monk Hutch settling down to a life as a free man, it would seem that it should be finally time to move on from the hotel shooting that marked a turning point in organised crime. But still, the ripple effects from that day are being felt with the arrest this week of a Kinahan member for the murder of the monk's brother, Eddie Hutch, and the state now facing massive costs for its doomed decision to put the veteran criminal on trial for murder. Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about encrypted phone messages, about hit teams facing possible murder charges, and about a freak accident with a scorching radiator. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. The lads have told me to ask you about your phone. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Well, I, I don't know if I agreed to tell the story, but I will anyway. Um, Go on. My son at around half eight in the evening said to me, you know, just as he was prepared to go to bed, he said, oh, by the way, you'll have to wash my uniform. It's filthy because he was playing football in they the rain. Do that, yeah, yeah, exactly. The Very morning. last minute. Yeah. So I washed it, put it, had to put on the radiator despite it being a warm evening. And do you know the tumbler? No, I don't know. So I you don't. turned on the entire heating I had system to turn in the house? turned on the entire heating system. And uh, I was checking it just before I went to bed, quite early, half 10, you know, most boring man in Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to somebody on the phone as I checked the radiator, holding it up with my shoulder. And my phone fell down into the radiator. <laughs> So, 
then I proceeded like it was like the 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 greatest struggle of my life because I have the, my skirting board blocks yeah. off the bottom of oh, the radiator right. and it goes down so the back. It goes down the back uh-huh. and you can't get at it. So I was I was telling him I spent forty five minutes to an hour <laughs> trying to fish it out. And I mean, I came out. I'd actually gone running earlier in that night, but I pumping a river of sweat down because I got eventually got the two <laughs> sticks. Edging it up, edge it up, drops. Edge it up, edge oh, it up, drops. Annoying. I'm telling you, somebody could have recorded it. Would have made like an Oscar-winning <laughs> short, <laughs> one-man struggle. Do you know? <laughs> to get his phone back. To get his and phone did back. Did you not think of turning off the heating? Well, system? I did turn off the heating, but it was stuck down there. People were ringing me and everything. People <laughs> could have been important people like yourself. <laughs> and I just every just went up two, three inches, nearly there. Tried to grab it, fall. And um, yeah, That's it's just—it's so sort of yeah. So the just, most boring man in Europe is that what you call it? Well, uh, well, yes, one of them anyway. The world, and that um, was a classic example. Of what time life. did you get to bed then? I went to bed at a late time of half eleven after one hour pumping sweat, filled with adrenaline. God. It was one of the great achievements <laughs> of my life when I actually, <laughs> fit, you know. And then I thought, this, this is really is a symbolic of my existence, you know? <laughs> An act of stupidity yeah. and then a phenomenal amount of work just to and get back to where I started. Everything about that is familiar, the irritation of having to wash yeah. uniforms within yeah. giving an, an hour to wash. And, yeah. and then that, that great struggle just to make up for your own mistakes yeah. that nobody yeah. can be blamed for. Well, I was fast asleep last night at that time. I've uh, been exhausted since I got back from... Yeah. My hollies and oh. I. Um, another inappropriate holiday, was it? Another Not one. maybe inappropriate, no, there was no, is, is no. sort of defamatory, but you do tend to take holidays at the worst times. Well, there was not. Did I miss? What did I? Well, I missed. Yeah. You'll always miss something. Yeah, there is the, the, the fallout from the Regency, which is yeah. always harder than the actual initial. Well, I needed a break anyway, I can tell you from it all, but yeah. I was uh, made a rip roaring mistake of. Uh, getting to the airport in Toronto mm. to fly home through the night. You know that red yeah. eye thing? And no, sorry, you leave in the evening and you get in. No, you leave. This is going to be a mathematical yeah. struggle now, is it? <laughs> well, it's well is it say, dark when you left and it's dark when you we came were, home? We were due in, we were due to fly in at say 5.30 a.m. in the morning, which I thought was great because I'd just get in the car, go home and go straight to bed yeah. and sleep and not screw things up from my body clock. But the thing was, the plane was late. We got to the airport early and we went to the lounge Yeah, where there was some drink had. Some, yeah, that's a passive statement. Go on. And so got on the plane and went into a thing like a coma initially. <laughs> right. Missed the dinner. Yeah, yeah. And then woke up about... Starving. Starving. And like... You know, ate a couple of packets of Pringles or whatever. Over maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I flew across the Atlantic in that condition, arrived back mm. to Dublin, out home, and by the time I actually got to bed for a lie down, it was midday. Yeah. So I woke up at God knows what time. Anyway, the long and short of it is, I was up all the night before last. So last night, I went to bed about ten. Yeah. And I had a hot whiskey because of a bit of a cold and um. A certain team, is there? Oh, Hot whiskeys and this lounges. This is a team of drink, yes. sleeping badly, yeah. waking up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and looking for sympathy for your own. Anyway, so there you are. I'm back to normal now. I'm back to normal. Mm. So, um, so is this our last ever Regency yeah. special I think for podcast? the moment. Is it the last ever one really, though, is it? In, in a sense of the trial. 
Yeah, it's probably the last ish. Yeah. No, because, yeah, it probably, well, it probably is. Now, there's another little thing happening with the... Costs. The costs, which we think we'll have to refer to. But yeah. today, this morning, um, the getaway drivers, Paul Murphy and Jason Bonney, who ha- went on trial with Jerry Hutch and who were found guilty, were sentenced. Not that unexpected that they both got pretty hefty sentences. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they got, uh, Paul Murphy got nine years and Jason Bonney got eight and a half years. Mm. Um, you know, obviously Paul Murphy, the court heard about a lengthy uh, sort of criminal, level of criminal convictions. I think it was 67 was mentioned, so that will have been a factor. Um, but his defence, of course, said that he was really the the, the, lead, the lesser light in the whole operation, which I think he probably was. Uh, Jason Bonney, it, the court heard, had no convictions, but he probably got a lengthy sentence, possibly for a number of different factors, it's it's hard to exactly to well, say. Well, he was criticised in the judgment for bringing people into court. Yes, yes. Who, I think one of them in particular, the Justice Tara Burns' judgment said, lied to the court. Yeah. Um, and she certainly wasn't happy in the judgment with either of them, really. But no. they pleaded not guilty. The fact of the matter is, they probably should have taken a guilty plea in the very beginning. Um, they were pretty banged to rights with the CCTV, with their cars moving around the city. Um, they knew that because they'd got the book of evidence against them and they took their chances. And as a result, and neither of them, by the way, were uh, in custody. So they're starting their sentence from the 17th of April when they were taken into custody. Yeah, I mean, it can be compared with the, the Dowdles, Jonathan Dowdle and his father, mm. who both got far lesser sentences for a, an equivalent charge, um, who are both... Uh, you know, I mean, Jonathan Dowdle's father is already out now. So they took a different route. Their sentences at least half of, of of these guys. And the other thing it probably brings into light would be if Jared Hutch could have been charged, arguably, with a number of different offences, you know, would, would, would he be facing something similar if it had been a lesser charge? Certainly the judgment seems to point that mm. something like that could have happened. However, he wasn't. He was charged with charge of murder, found not guilty and is an absolutely free man. So, like, Paul Murphy's 61 and he's after getting nine years. He'll serve at least seven. Yeah. Yeah. Approach, yeah, six Approaching and a half, that, maybe, yeah. something like that. Something yeah. like that. So, that you know, he'll be at the other end of his 60s. Like, that's yeah. a big chunk out of your life, isn't it, really? It is a big chunk. Um, he's obviously going into the prison system where he'd be associated with the Hutches. Um, that'll limit his options about where he can serve, you know, will he, sometimes people as they get older towards the end of the sentence are in an open prison, you know. So a lot of, uh, his life in prison won't be straightforward. Mm. Um, you know, he will have to be kept separate from, if you consider there's at least 60, 70 people in, from the Kinnan cartel uh, in the prison system alone over a range of different prisons. So yeah, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be, getting his bus pass when he gets out of, court, out of will, prison, yeah. for sure. And you know, <clears throat> both Bonnie and Murphy used to talk to the journalists during the course of the trial at yeah. lunch breaks and in yeah. the morning when they'd come in because they were free to walk around. Yeah. So often you'd be sitting having a cup of coffee and they might come over and say hello. And um, I was talking to Paul Murphy one day and he was telling me that, um, like he was convinced he was getting off. Yeah. And he was telling me that he had a place in Spain and he was going to go out there to live. He was going to sell up here in Ireland and split the proceeds of what he got with his partner, his ex-partner, whatever. And he was basically going out to retire out yeah. in Spain in the sunshine. Yeah. Um, but 
a chaotic kind of a character, I think, Murphy. Yeah. He has a, 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 a checkered past. He's changed his name in order to um, attempt to have a, a clean sheet, a clean start at some point. He um, was said to be involved somewhat in, in the uh, the sex industry. Well, I mean, there was... There was there certainly there was a report by by Ken Foy that we mm. carried in the Sunday World about how his associates were involved, um, people that were closely associated with him, involved in in the sex trade in the nineteen nineties in particular. Um, he certainly had a long criminal history, Paul Murphy individually. Uh, I don't think Paul Murphy is a sort of gangland millionaire, but yeah. or by any stretch of the imagination, um, he was described by his own counsel as being. Like a, a, a look, a lesser light or whatever the term was used. Yeah. And I think that would be the sense of it that he he grew up certainly in the north inner city and would have associated with serious criminals. Um, was arrested for a number of serious offences back in the eighties. Um, but what were they for? Do you remember? Well, I, I'm I don't off the top of my head, yeah. but there was there was um, like he he was associating with members of the Hutch gang uh, or or the broader Hutch associates. Mm. And remember, obviously not talking about Jared Hutch in particular, but people linked to what's described as the Hutch organization were suspected of being heavily involved in 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 the sex trade. Maybe not in terms of um, you know in terms of 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 running. Mm-hmm. Brothels, but acting, you know, driving, protecting, giving protection, collecting right. protection money. So that was something that that was was Paul Murphy has been linked to, however, sort of obliquely, really, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He seemed to me, as I say, to be slightly chaotic. He, we know, and we carried the story ourselves that over the course of the trial, he was actually arrested and questioned in connection with yeah. um, a professional's wallet was whipped Lifted. on the way in through the security and uh, yeah. he was caught on CCTV, I think, dipping. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the suspicion that he was caught. A wallet came his way, if you want, and he, yeah. he, he took hold of it yeah. and, uh, you know, was caught Slow on CCTV. Slow stuff, an incredible thing if he did it to happen during the course of a trial. Yeah. When you're, you know, when, when you have profile. so much at stake, like, yeah. you know, for, for, for that to happen, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, a sort of pleasant sort of chap, wasn't he? Used to hold the doors and stuff yeah, he in the did. cupboard, he you know, did. if you were. And he's, you know, because you see the journalist always rushing down, have to file the copy, and he'd, he'd hold, hold the, the doors, open, and he, yeah. he would say hello, like hello, yeah. Nicola. And, yeah. You know, everyone had yeah. their, and we all just said hello back. You know, if anybody's yeah. friendly to you, it was what it was. The circumstances in the court, you know. Yeah. Um. You know, you're not going to ignore somebody, and he was. Often the two of them, himself and Bonnie, used to bring their packed lunches. Yeah, and you'd see them over in the canteen at lunchtime with their little packed lunches, their sandwiches laid out like a little picnic yeah. thing. Yeah, and they'd have that. But sure, why not? I mean, it look, it was definitely very stressful. You could see that uh, certainly in the case of Paul Murphy. That I'd say he wasn't getting much sleep at night. No, during the trial, and you know he'd look he'd look very tired sometimes. Um, Bonnie had a tendency sometimes to almost fall asleep. Yeah. Um, now, he was a different character, I have to say. Um, he was somebody who you definitely felt, I felt a little bit uh, creeped by him. Yeah. Uh, I just got a sense that I didn't particularly like him and I can't put my finger on exactly what it was, but he sort of came across very smart-ass when he was talking. Now, he was also 100% convinced 
he was getting off. And he was the whole time saying to us, you know, wait, you see what I have. Wait, you see what I have. I have witnesses. And of course, then his witnesses came in and, um, you know, in the judgment, certainly their evidence wasn't accepted. No, what looks good on paper can look very different when it's tested in a courtroom. Yeah. Um, his evidence is his witnesses, which provided alibis for him effectively, um, or or appear to provide alibis, uh, did not go down well. Mm. Um, you know, and may well have contributed to the lengthy sentence he got. Unlike Paul Murphy, the court heard Bonnie had no convictions, um, and that his own I think his own defense said he wasn't on the guard or radar at the time. Definitely a more complex character. Um, Definitely. I mean, his his family have actually issued a statement in yeah. relation to the way he brought his parents into the proceedings, yeah, William and Greta Bonney. Yeah, effectively his witnesses um, sort of placed his own father uh, erroneously, wrongly, like, mm. you know, we can say that. that you they, can say wrongly. Yeah, yeah. Why did you say erroneously? <laughs> well, that's, that's the, corre- that's the correct. Swallowed term. a dictionary. No, well, and, and I wanted to show off that I could pronounce my oars on this occasion. It wasn't... <laughs> Erroneously. <laughs> Have you been practicing? Well, I won't comment. No, I haven't. But uh, I've, you know, that was just a momentary lapse of reason. Yeah. But uh, no, the, the his so basically Bonnie's witnesses effectively threw his his father William Bonnie in the mix, mm. um, by by suggesting that William that William Bonnie in fact was driving the car. That was his defense. That, that his father, his, his late father, who's dead, wasn't there to defend himself. Was actually one of the getaway drivers. Exactly. And, and, and we him. did we did hear very then sort of powerful evidence from from Jason Bonnie's own brother-in-law, uh, who described you know William Bonnie as being a real decent guy, mm. and his and Paul. Paul Burns, uh, Jason Bonney's brother-in-law's evidence was accepted in total, really. In by total, the, because... By, um, by the, the court, yeah, you know? Yeah, in the judgment, I think they had said that... Paul Burns said that they had been on a holiday, they came home, and the tradition was they'd go over to the Bonney house for a meal the next day, the day yeah. they got home. And in actual fact, in the judgment... Um, Tara Burns said it was a scenario she could imagine. You know, I think we yeah. could all imagine. You know, yeah. these traditions we have. Yeah. Back in the day when somebody used to leave eggs and sausages in if you were on a holiday. Right, I don't remember that. Did you never get that? No, happen? no, no, I never did. Did you never have like the fry when you got home from a holiday? No, I remember. No, I remember getting the fry first in in the airport. All right, but yeah, I, yeah. But I mean, I think that there was a. Uh, like Paul Byrne had to go into the special criminal court and give evidence in this mm. gangland trial, and that can't have been easy or comfortable. But I think he did it in order to defend the honour kind of, of William Bonney, who wasn't there to defend himself ultimately. Mm. I mean, he was thrown into the mix for a gangland murder. And he, because due to the fact he'd passed away and his wife had passed away as well, they weren't there to defend themselves. And Paul Byrne did a, a good job. Um, and of course, evidence was heard that there was a rift between Jason Bonney and his father, William, for a long time. They yeah. didn't seem to have been speaking. No. Bonney is an intriguing character. I mean, he's a builder yeah. and a boxer. Yeah. And he's somebody who has collected a pretty eye-watering property portfolio. Um, in actual fact, in the weeks after the murder of David Byrne at the Regency, he was applying to Fingal County Council, looking to demolish a garage at the home he lives in in Port Marica, property probably worth about a million euro. Well, I think even more. I mean, he's living in an estate that I can't remember. Is it Dr- one, Drimnai, Drimnai Woods. Woods, but is it one of Westlife or one of Boys Own that lived there? Like it was yeah. one of these 
you know, really, really, really fancy gated, pants gated yeah. with a full-time security guard outdoors. Um, like a really one of Dublin's better, fancy more exclusive, pants fancy pants really estates, I think is the technical term, yes. Yeah. Um, but he was looking to build a house beside this for his daughter, who he said was a single mother and... Um, Wanted, didn't want to wait basically on the council housing list. And I think that was the refused, the permission was refused. He went on board Planola. But when I had a little look at his property portfolio, um, he currently owns two houses and four apartments and had been buying and selling, you know, Georgian homes in the inner city area since he was 19. Interestingly, starting on uh, Buckingham Street, mm-hmm. where Jerry Hutch is from. And just a couple of hundred meters away from where the Buckingham Village, which ultimately was described as as the the central point for the Regency Hotel murder, so it, that's where Jason Bonney began his property empire. Was on that street back in the nineties, was it, uh, yeah, or even earlier? Just see if I can see when it started, because I know he was very young when he bought yeah. the first. Yeah. Um, so I think he bought his first property in two thousand and five. Would that be right? For four hundred thousand euro mortgage, that was in Newbrook. No, sorry, that wasn't the first one he bought. He began, sorry, to build his property portfolio. I have it here now in front of me. In nineteen ninety two, when he was twenty years old, and with his partner Catherine Halpin, he bought a Georgian property on Portland Street. Right. Okay. Then a year later, they bought a second period premises on Summerhill Parade. Right. And a four story building on Buckingham Street. Right. And by ninety six. They'd purchased a fourth property, a three-story on Upper Dorset Street. Now, that's pretty impressive. That's impressive. For a young person like that. And by 98, when he was just 26 years of age, he sold Portland Street and bought a commercial property at Clare Hall Shopping Centre. A year later, they sold two sites at Greenwood Avenue off the Malahide Road and built... Yeah, a house built on one would, would fetch 390000 by 2016. So they were valuable sites. Yeah. Then still as a young couple, they bought a flat in a building at Pierce Square in 2001. They sold a house at Clonliffe Avenue in Ballybock. Um, and then the property market took off during the Celtic Tiger years. And he cashed in on those investments selling Pierce Square, Summerhill Parade, two cottages at Sackville Avenue in Ballybock. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> impressive. Impressive. And of course, it's not dissimilar to to Jared Hutch himself, who bought a lot of properties in that north inner city, um, and and sold them on at the same time. Mm. So there were people making money. Yeah, uh, most definitely. So he was a different character to Paul Murphy, who I'd say, you know, didn't have it was, was working the property as a, in Spain in his dreams. I wonder. Yeah, and was sort of driving around the taxi and and yeah, you know. On his uppers, I'd say, for the most part, you know. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think the the, the judgment, though, you know, while, while it was, when you were sitting in the court and looking at them, they they didn't look like criminal masterminds. No. But you did see in the judgment today why they got a lengthy sentence and why, you know, why they were treated this way by the court because the, the judge... Justice Tara Burns again said they had been their involvement in 
in the Regency, while it, you couldn't prove that they knew that a murder was going to be committed or had been committed, that they had in, in, they were intentionally involved in giving organised assistance to the Hutch gang, that they knew that a serious criminal event was occurring, um, that their assistance was significant, and that something like the Regency Hotel murder could not be carried out without the assistance of people like Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy, mm. that it couldn't be carried out by just one or two people, that they needed people like that, and that, you know, that that, that obviously then that that proves the charge, which is not just that they were they were uh, that they were facilitated a murder. And of course the murder is the most serious thing that come come before the courts. Mm-hmm. Um of course there were six getaway drivers and they are two of yeah, I mean Bonnie. Four more. Yeah, Bonnie is is specifically uh, said to have driven flat cap. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he his he he's seen in that car, and that's that's what's was proved beyond reasonable doubt by this by the by the the state. Who Paul Murphy drove, I think, is not as clear. No, but he certainly drove one of the the six uh, hit team away from the Regency. Now, in the meantime, in another part of the forest. Uh, Jerry Hutch has launched proceedings to get back his money. Yeah. So, well, to get his costs, I suppose the costs haven't been paid either way yet, have they? Or have they? No, because what's happened here is, you know, you could apply for free legal aid. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to it. Yeah. And he could have applied for free legal aid in the case of this yeah. um, murder uh, charge. But you know, if you were Jerry Hutch, would you want to do that and get into the witness box and explain everything about your money and your assets yeah. and what you had and you hadn't got? Because, of course, you can only get free legal aid if you can't afford it. Yeah. Um. So I imagine that's why he chose to uh, pay for his own. Yeah, so I think the way it works... Go privately, essentially. Yeah, but if you win, yeah, normally you get that money back. Yeah. Yeah. So he's applied now for his costs. He'll say, you know, the state is entitled to charge it, bring it to court, and if you're found not guilty in that position, you say, well, I'm an innocent man, I shouldn't have to pay, God only knows, let's pick out a six-figure sum mm-hmm. for my defence because I've been proved not guilty. I think it's relatively standard that you would get your costs in the, in the event of, of being found not guilty, However, in this case, the state has opposed it, which they may well do as well. Um, and, you know... I wonder on what basis they're going to oppose it, just generally that... I don't know. I mean, this is... You see, like, well, nearly everybody gets legal aid, but I suppose if you, get, if you get legal aid, then you don't get to choose your own team, I suppose, yeah. is it? No, you don't get to choose your own team, but you... Um, no, you, you'd go and get legal aid if you, if you can't afford. Yeah, but it's amazing the people that get legal aid. I know, aid. some yeah. of the people that get it. I so that's mean, what I was thinking, you, like, you, and certainly in the in the cab proceedings, you see them, there's people with serious convictions and all the yeah. rest of it, and, you know, they are they're obviously have these assets. Yeah. And they're getting free legal aid to fight the state. Yeah, yeah. They're looking to take their assets, and they have, like, multiple properties and stuff. So it's not quite clear cut but obviously I'd say Mr. Hutch didn't want to get, have to be questioned maybe didn't want to be well, maybe. find himself in, in a witness box so. I mean he obviously does have assets you know so yeah. you're not automatically entitled to it and he also would have had confidence I think from the beginning that he was going to you know he had some confidence certainly that he was going to be in a position now to be found exactly. to apply for the costs yeah. 
Because so, I think from the beginning, from the offset, you know, his certainly his legal team wouldn't have felt that there was a very strong case against him, like from the no. from the um, the book of evidence. Now, in the meantime, there's been another arrest today um, of an individual who is being questioned in relation to the murder of Eddie Hutch. Yeah. So they're really moving on this murder investigation, yeah, there's been, obviously. There's been a number of arrests. Um, one of the people arrested before we've named um, as Trevor Byrne from Finglas, who was uh, a notorious criminal, a uh, gunman who's currently behind bars serving a lengthy sentence. Um, the man arrested, there was, a, there was a, a, another arrest recently, very much of a lesser light in the whole operation, maybe eyes and ears. Somebody was there? Pre- yes, and now we're in the third arrest in recent, in recent times. This person is uh, somebody, the, the arrested person be regarded as a senior Kinnan cartel figure, somebody from the north uh, inner city, somebody who would have very much known the Hutch family growing up, mm-hmm. uh, would have been very good pals with Gary Hutch in particular, very much part of that north inner city crew that became associated with the Kinnahan cartel. Um, despite being lifelong pals with the Hutches, he would have, this person would have ended up uh, siding with the Kinnahans, would have also spent time in Spain in the aftermath of the, the feud beginning. Um, and I suppose they're looking at this person possibly as a getaway driver uh, from the murder of Eddie Hutch. Um, so they're definitely moving on on this. There was the, two gunmen. There was two gunmen, and there was at one least, remains in Spain. One remains in Spain. There, there is at least um, uh, there, at least two other people in the cars is, is a suspect, and mm. then there's various people, um, you know, who haven't been charged but who are suspected of giving information. Um, you know, just like you here in the Regency, there's a lot of people involved in the suspected murder of Eddie Hutch. Obviously a car, after he was killed as well, the, there was a car burnt out mm. and another car collected. Um, the car burnt out in Drunkondra and then the, 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 the gunmen and the, the hit team moved off in another car. So we'll see, but you, you can see this investigation is stepping up and the Guardi must at least be able to put evidence to these people as they're, as they're arrested. So many years later. Yeah. It's kind of odd. It is. It's taken so long. I wonder what, how you can take so long to gather evidence to put to people. It's kind of baffling, isn't it? Like it's four, it's seven years. It's seven years is a long time. Look, maybe something new comes about. I mean, we don't know. Some evidence comes in or some, somebody gives some, I don't know. Like, I mean, it is just, it just strikes me as odd because I mean, when that murder happened, which was three days after the Regency, and it was savage. Yeah. I mean, the city was in lockdown. There was police on every corner. And the hit team managed to, well, I think initially the Gardaí probably thought breached the, the yeah. Garda checkpoints, but in actual fact, of course, it was coming from within the yeah. community yeah. and pulled up and he had been down at the shops and was coming back from the shops. And uh, they... The two gunmen, the, the, the gunman who was behind the first gunman was so desperate yeah. to shoot him dead that he almost shot the other gunman. Yeah. A bullet came whizzing past the first gunman's ear. And like, I knew who those guys were almost immediately. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, it's just a bit... Well, you do wonder, um, you do wonder where the evidence, you know, obviously it takes time to go through CCTV and that can take years and there was or whatever. CCTV of the actual shooting. And to a degree, I think, of, of the route of the getaway car as yeah. well, which would be a very, look, there'd be loads of CCTV down Clonaf Road and up mm. that part of Drumcondra. Um, so you do wonder what new comes up. Yeah, and is the delay on it possibly, is it the DPP or is it... The Garda investigation team, it's difficult to know. It's like, we don't, to know. people think we know everything we don't. No, and I mean, it could be certain phone evidence or anything mm. like that could come to light at a later point. Mm. But we don't, we don't know. Phone sure. evidence, of course, is the most likely scenario that there is something on, you know, something has come forward and using I'm, encrypted phones. Yeah, and, you see, this is the other thing the mm. encrypted f- phones. And I mean, we saw how vital that evidence has been. Um, we also saw this week um, that you were telling me about, but I had a look at it, the the, oh, yeah. the Encro chat. Uh, That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, what do you so want to... what happened was, Encro chat, when exactly was that? What well, was year? it 2019, was it? 2018, maybe. Yeah. So Encro chat was the first major um, kind of... Uh, takedown of one of these encrypted phone networks. Now, there had been Enetcom yeah. previous to that, yeah. but EncroChat kind of was the, the the big one that affected both English and Irish criminals because they were using them, of course, the yeah. EncroChat phones. Um, so they they were basically, they, 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 the police departments in the Netherlands and France yeah. listened live to these EncroChat phones over a period of a few months. Now, they sat back and listened and, you know, brought in the intelligence. If there was a plot to kill about to happen, they moved in on that. And stopped it. And stopped it. And if there was anything like, they weren't going to, you know, a threat to life was obviously something critical that they might have had to blow their cover. But they did stop some threats to kill, some plots to kill in the course of it and didn't blow their cover. They managed to, for months, gather a lot of material and then all together they went out and raided premises. They seized a huge amount of weapons, a huge amount of money, arrested a lot of gangs, etc. In Ireland, now we were one of the, the countries that got the information from EncroChat. And in most countries, what happened was the French and the Dutch sent them anything relevant. Yeah. It went to a central sort of criminal intelligence organization, be it by the NCA, the National Crime Agency in the UK, or wherever, what other country was getting the information. Um, in Ireland, it went to our Crime and Security Division. And in other countries, the information was then sent on on out to the local divisions or to the drugs units or whoever it was relevant to. Yeah. But in Ireland, a decision was made by senior guard management just to put it in a drawer and hold it as intelligence yeah. and not to pass it on. And we made no arrests. No. Here. See, I mean, None. The, the other countries have used it to convict people. Yeah. So this was said in EncroChat. Obviously, the guardy seemed to be saying, well, we, we, we just store who's talking to each other and, you know, use it as intelligence, background intelligence, really. But it, you, certainly in the UK, they've put an incredible amount of people behind and in bars. And the North. So it, there's been... Um, so there's been challenges. And of course, yeah. what was said here at the time was the reason for not acting upon it was that it was ultimately going to be proved to be illegal. Yeah. That, you know, the criminals could challenge, it would be a huge, big, 
you know, screw up basically that they'd be before the courts and these charges would cost a fortune yeah. and then they'd be able to challenge it and the courts were going to throw out the evidence because yeah. it was illegal. So in the UK, a number of people have taken legal issues with... Yeah, to the, do with privacy, to, to do with data retention, all the usual stuff that... The usual stuff. Yeah. And of course this week the NCA pretty much won, yeah. the National Crime Agency won. And um, so that's a, a, a blow in a way to the criminals, but also maybe to the decision making here in Ireland yeah. not um, to go with it. There was a challenges in France as well, which have also failed. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, just this morning, which I wasn't... I was just looking it up there. Yeah. Um, what's described, the Europol have put out a, a press release saying Balkan's biggest drug lords arrested after investigation into encrypted phones. So they've arrested uh, uh, 13 arrests in Serbia. These mm. are people, in, some of them involved with the with the Kinnins and the super cartel. And that's to do with Sky, is it Sky ECC? Sky ECC, yeah. So that's... That was, a, that was another. Yeah. That was, that came after EncroChat. Yeah. So people who were on EncroChat, they moved to Sky ECC. Yeah. But Sky ECC was taken down by the Belgians and by the, the Netherlands. But this is the a The Dutch are the leaders in all this. Yeah. And this is a major operation involving shipments involving in Belgium, Serbia, Peru, which of course Peru was... was very much associated with the super cartel mm. and El Rico, and you know who was based there. So that's still going on. There's 13 arrests, 35 uh, houses searched, 13 high-end cars, about two million, between two million and three million in cash fees. That's just this week, mm. and that's to do with Sky ECC, and presumably that's from intelligence that existed two to three years ago. So is this a factor in the Eddie Hutch arrest? Well, we don't know, but certainly what that what what was coming off those encrypted phones mm -hmm. is now still bearing fruit even even this week across Very Europe. Very much so. And you know, it's um I was talking to one of our colleagues in the Netherlands who was explaining that basically these encrypted messages, some of which were taken like from the Anchor Chat of twenty eighteen yeah. and the Enetcom yeah. is before that. Yeah. Um, are being used in the Marengo trial where Rido and Taji and his associates are, um, you know, facing, that trial is actually due to close soon, but they are facing multiple murder charges. It was also used in the trial, the encrypted phone messages were used in the trial of El Rico, the yeah. Chilean, who has been jailed in relation to um, trafficking he hasn't been, there's still an investigation into him directing and organizing murders. Um, and I know there's still millions of those messages yeah. every day being, you know, detangled and sent to the relevant police forces. Yeah. So that is definitely a possibility that that's where they're from. But I think the failure by the the, the uh, defense lawyers against the NCA, that challenge in the UK is really a kind of a sign that maybe the decision-making process on acting on that EncroChat information in the first place wasn't a good one. Yeah. And again, look, nobody will ever be... No. Hands up, I made that no. decision, you know. Everyone is just sort of always hidden behind a wall. I always like a little head on a stake, don't I? You do, you do. <laughs> you have somebody to blame, but... Uh, Sometimes it's me, but yeah, uh, sometimes but no, like a lot of the time it's you. Yeah, a lot of the time yeah. it's me. I'm a good uh, whipping boy, but uh, yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see, and this the mm. next level of the Kinnan cartel mm. comes under scrutiny, which is happening now. Um, will 
encrypted phones be a feature in that? It's possible, isn't it? I have a bigger question for Go today on. because you started off by saying this is going to be our last ever podcast on the Regency. Yeah, it's not. Do you think so? Well, the, the, so the, the Regency trial, yeah. like, God knows the public are We're going parking. to hear us mentioned, they are going to hear us mentioned the Regency, but it's solely on that trial. Yeah. Possibly so. So just that trial. So if there's any other trials, we're going to just ignore them. And no, no, no. I'm just saying that's just solely focused on the Regency trial. Right. Okay. The actual. Yeah. We are going to be we're rabbiting on, on <laughs> about it forever, <laughs> admittedly. But it's not going to be. The, it's going to be the background rather than the jumping off point, is it? Well, I mean, look. It was certainly a. Um, you know, today does. Put a line in the sand with it, with the the, the jailing of Bonnie and Murphy, and uh, we certainly do have to move on for it. But I suppose that moment will still come back constantly, it won't will, it? it over will. the next no, I know, I know, period I know. of time. No, it is. Like I mean, it's it's like it was a, an iconic. Uh, Jared Hutch walking out of the, the courts mm. wasn't one of those. And what do you think he's going to do? He's still knocking around Dublin. Still seems to be knocking around Dublin by mm. all accounts. Um, look, I suppose he's 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 gonna maybe go come back. I but I I don't I think it definitely seems to be the case by all accounts that he is it, the level of threat that he's facing in the city is vastly different. If you look back at talking about his the murder of his brother at that time, yeah, it's it's just not the same as it was. Mm. Um, but I'm sure he'll be elusively. I'm sure his, his movements will remain elusive. I'm sure the man, like the rest of us, would like to feel sun on his face at this point in time, and uh, you know maybe he'll be moving in and out of the country. But yeah, for the moment he's still, and you know, knocking around. Yeah, we've seen him out and about, even in our own little area. We have in the the north inner city where we're, we work, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know it's 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 an interesting thing to see those guys con convicted today and to wonder and it's always as you said hindsight's a wonderful thing to wonder if if other charges had been brought against Jared Hutch would the outcome did the state take the wrong outcome mm -hmm. um, but and you also wonder and I do feel for the Byrne family in a sense because of the maybe even the social media reaction to Jared Hutch being released like is it is it tough on them mm. you know and they're you know, going to see another two, you know, two guys at least convicted, you know. So it is does show that the state have done what, they've, what they could, you know. Mm, mm. All these years later. Yeah. Okay, well, next week we'll be talking about fluffy bunnies and, and uh, uh, makeup. Yeah, will we? Yeah, okay, yeah. let's go. Girl chat. Yeah, girl chat. We'll change it. <laughs> girl world. I did, I did get on the... Uh, our, our pilot uh, sort of uh, Sunday World magazine kind of chat, didn't I? That was I got, pathetic that uh, you did that. No. I'm going to I mean, have to branch what out. What you talk about? T TV Stuff, or something? Yes, no problem. How, why, why are you going well, to Well, you got on Carl Henry's Real, Real Health podcast with the Indo, so... <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was in a previous life. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I did. With, at Christmas time. Real health. Um, well, it wasn't... To talk about my mental health and how I... It wasn't real health. What not to do by... want to talk about my mental health all the time? People are always well, asking me about my mental health. somebody good to have a chat about it, Nicola, about your mental health, I, they can always call me. And about how I cope with my job and all this and it's just so alien the question even do you not yeah. find that do you get that no people I know no. you think we're undiagnosed and stuff but <laughs> well I mean I'm willing to diagnose you with various conditions as yeah. you know Nicola but like I, yeah 
People find it stunning that you're not. Yeah, like, just I am simple. It's just I'm just emotionally de- I'm emotionally detached. You know, or genetically. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong. With me. Yeah. That's simple. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. We'll be back next week. Okay. Thank you, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free SundayWorld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.